Hey there, and welcome to the bonus cast. We are Phil and Meredith, and we believe that the life of a Jesus follower is a resilient life. And so every single month, we have conversations around topics that build a resilient life. And this month specifically, what we're talking about is... Ghosting people, which I know is something that you are particularly excited and looking forward to talking about this month. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this conversation for some time now. And it's important just to clarify right at the top here what we're talking about when we say ghosting people, because it is Halloween season. And so sometimes... Well, it's Halloween season when we're recording this. When it launches, will it be Halloween season? Well, you know... Or is it later? I think that the Halloween season is like all of October and anything up until Thanksgiving. No. Yeah, that's when that's when our kids like to wear their costumes. That's when people are still eating all their candy. That's when people <laughs> still haven't taken their decorations down. It's still like Halloween season. Uh, I cut it off. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, you know, around this Halloween season, which is when we're recording and potentially still releasing this conversation, um, there's a lot of conversations around ghosts that take place. But that's not what we're talking about. Not that spiritual activity kind of stuff. What we're talking about is ghosting people, which is a new concept. It's only been around like trending wise for about the last 10 years, but the conversation dates back many, many years. And so when it comes to ghosting people, what this is, is if Meredith and I are in a relationship and then I just all of a sudden stop having conversations with you. And it can look different in different ways. It might be physical conversations, like in person, it could be digital conversations where I just stop texting you back, where you're following up with me, you're texting me, you're calling me, and I just vanish into thin air. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, social, you know, psychologists have talked about, you know, it's, it's something that people have done for generations in theory, but right. the conversation around it has increased because the increase in the frequency at which it happens in different social settings and spheres, happening in personal relationships, happening in family dynamics, happening in the workplace in particular is a place where we've seen a rise in it over the last several years, has related into this conversation about like, okay, so what is going on? Why is it that we see an increased number of people just stepping out of connections or relationships without conversation, without reason, without, you know, without even an explosive situation where they've gone, hey, we've had this massive fight and now I'm not engaging. But it's just kind of a slide out of that space. Um, and, and then what does that mean for us, right? Yeah. And so, you know, it used to happen far less frequently, like you were saying. And I think that's potentially because as a society, we've changed over time. Many of us live in larger cities than what would have existed hundreds of years ago. And so it's much more difficult to yeah. ghost someone when you're in a yeah. small rural village <laughs> yeah. of 200 people. Eventually, you have to go to, back to get bread and you're like, all right, hey, Jerry. <laughs> exactly, right? And also, you know, we all have these things that we carry around with us that are within six feet of us for 98% of the day. Yeah. And a lot of us interact often solely with someone through these devices that we have. Yeah. And so it's much easier for me just to stop texting you back or to stop answering your phone call or to yeah. unfollow you on social media, to block you or otherwise because of this technology that we interact through now. What do you think are the drivers though? Like why do people just back out of relationships, what leads someone to a ghosting situation? 
Yeah, and, and I think it's important to clarify, we're not just talking about breaking relationship or ending relationship, we're talking about how that is taking place. Yeah. Ghosting someone is just vanishing from the conversation without having a conversation, right? Yeah. So I think that there's a few reasons, one of which that I can think of is because we don't want to have that hard conversation. Yeah. If I'm going to break up in my relationship, we've been dating for a minute and I don't want to have that conversation where I'm breaking up with you, I can just be conflict avoidant and I just stop texting you back. Yeah. I stop calling you. I stop responding to your calls. And so if I'm not willing to be mature enough to have that hard conversation, then I just ghost you. Yeah. What? So let's go Let's go one more layer of why then. So people are, we're thinking, okay, people are uh, ghosting people. Why are they ghosting people? Because they're conflict avoidant. Why is it, do you think, that we have an increased number of people that are conflict avoidant? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> this was not in the notes. <laughs> which is which is code for just give me a, a second. Let me ask you, why do you think yes. that people are more conflict avoidant? That's great. I'm I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think in, in my own personal observations and you know reading and things like that, I think there are a few things probably at play. I think that technology has allowed us to have sometimes a false sense of relationship and connection. And so we haven't developed all of the same skill sets that, you know, our forefathers mm -hmm. did um, in some ways. And I also think that there is um, a rise in kind of this driver of I don't want to disappoint other people or make other people feel bad that, you know, which becomes this like circular situation, because obviously when you go someone, you make them feel bad, but it's like abdicating. I haven't directly made them feel bad by sure. saying I'm leaving this or this is no longer working for me. So I, I think there's probably some of that in play and even probably an aspect of, um, you know, like the idea of codependency um, being, I think the, the best definition I've ever got of codependency is that I think I can't be okay if someone else isn't okay. Mm. If, if someone else doesn't feel good, then I can't feel good. And so I think there's probably a layer of that, right? You, you have to make someone feel uncomfortable, experience a negative emotion to say to them, Hey, I'm not going to work here anymore. Or, Hey, this relationship isn't working for me anymore. And if I live in a way where I think I'm not okay because I've just delivered bad news to you, I think then I avoid those situations as well. I don't know. That's those are my thoughts right now. Yeah. But well, and now that I've had a minute to think about it, yeah, what, yeah. What, bring <laughs> bring on your wisdom now. What I would say is that um, in in the Western world, certainly in the United States, we have an abundant amount of options. Right. We're mm. overwhelmed with options. And whether, whether that's the food that you want to eat, whether that's the person that you want to date, whether that's the place that you want to work. Right. That wasn't true 200 years ago where you were likely to marry someone in the village that you were in. Wow. Chances are you're not going to find someone online that you can swipe left or swipe right. Right. Yeah. And so now we're so overwhelmed with options. I think it's the and easy consumeristic, thing to do. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, gone are the days I believe, of someone working in the same place of employment for 40 or 50 years. Yeah. That was something that was toted as a, a positive attribute back 50 years ago. Not so anymore. And, and people will, in, you know, in millennials and, and, and Gen Z generations, will say, I've got all this work experience. I've worked in seven different organizations in the last 10 years. 
like that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And to someone who has been working for 40 years, that doesn't sound the same as, as the person that's saying that. And so because we have so many options in, in who we're dating and how we're dating and where we're working and, and all of those kind of things, I'm overwhelmed with the amount of options that are coming to me. I don't have the ability to have mature conversations with every single person that I want to end relationship with. Yeah. Well, and, and in some ways, I guess I don't, I don't have to, right? right? Whereas that that pressure to have to have that conversation is the thing that would grow me and develop me. I want to make a, a distinction as well, which you actually called me on because I think, you know, I don't know, a few months ago we were talking about this idea and I was kind of blowing it off as like the general com- cultural conversation of like, oh yeah, young people these days, you know, uh, Zers and millennials don't know how to do it or, or whatever, don't know how to have card conversations or ghosting everyone. And you went back through a few different scenarios and you said, I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's just young people. I think as a culture, we've lost it. And we started realizing even even relationships we've had or scenarios we've been involved in with people in their 40s and in their 50s and even in their 60s who have engaged in the same way. Because I think the those same drivers are prevalent throughout our, our entire culture, not just in a particular young group yeah, of people. Absolutely. And so when I say that it's a generational thing, I'm talking about the generation that's alive, alive right now. Yeah. I'm not just talking about any particular age group that does it. And I think that it's so, like this conversation is so important because it's not just about your romantic relationships that you might be in. It's not just the the digital equivalent of the silent treatment that you're giving to your fiance or to your spouse yeah. that you're avoiding in the other room. It's not just the equivalent of that. It plays out everywhere. We all are in relationships. And so we have this silent quitting that we do in the workplace that many of us have heard about now where I just don't take on any extra work and I'm not available for anything outside of my position description as well as that what we are starting to see is people that are in difficult situations at workplaces rather than fighting it out and surviving the storm that may Mm -hmm. exist in a workplace they just leave yeah and so then what that means is that I'm not building any fortitude or any resilience in my place of work because now after three weeks I don't like the culture or I don't like my boss anymore or this person's irritating or I wish I had an hour-long lunch break as opposed to a 30-minute lunch break or or whatever that is and so rather than fighting out and surviving the storm or the battle that I might be in I just leave yeah yeah and then that has huge ramifications for down the line yeah absolutely I think that's so good because we you know, we love to label things at the moment toxic, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a toxic work environment. And and obviously there are places that are really unhealthy and that and someone who finds himself in a workplace like that should leave in a church like that in a relationship like that For should sure. get out of that, right? That's not a healthy environment and you can't get healthy in a toxic space. But I think we label things that are inconvenient things that are uncomfortable, things that are tough as toxic sometimes because we haven't built up the grit to really work through something. Can you believe my boss made me show up at 9 a.m.? Yeah, exactly. That's a toxic... (laughs) No, no, they just encourage you to be punctual. (laughs) That's not toxic. Or even, even tough seasons, even beyond that, right? Being able to last through a tough season where man three people just left and now the three of us who are still here are taking on extra workload until we can hire new employees that's not a toxic work environment that's a tough season at your work environment Good. good distinction and so I think I think what that leads to to what you were saying earlier is this idea that then people have leave in those seasons because it was it was tough only having been there for a short period of time And what I think we are going to see down the line is, right, you've got only a few years of work experience in lots of places. 
And as an employer, potentially going, wait, 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 I can't, I can't hire this person now. You've just been jumping around. You haven't, you haven't stayed in anything. You haven't lasted anything. You haven't built anything. And I, I love two like thoughts. We have a good friend who says, hey, anytime I onboard a new employee, I tell them, you're not going to be good at this job for at least six months, mm-hmm. probably closer to 12. Right. Right. Just like, accept just, it. Just accept that. So what does that mean when we have people who keep leaving their work before they're even good at the thing that they're doing? Not even what does that mean for their resume? What does that mean for their own self-esteem, for their own sense of value, for their own belief in what they can bring to a team that they've never stayed around to actually find out what they can be good at in a job? Or see any results that they're able to achieve as well. Exactly. And then I was listening to something else and they were talking about um, onboarding and team uh, dynamics and things like that. And this guy was saying it actually takes you four years to really learn how to do your job. And he wow. has all these layers of it of the first years about, you know, understanding different spaces and et cetera, et cetera. And in the fourth year is when you really figure out how to do it. And I thought, man, and again, we have people who are not even leaning into work long enough to really, really find out the depth of that work. And so I think down the line and right. And that's like, like we're using work as an example, but that rolls out into into relationships, into into all kinds of different spaces where we're bailing before you actually get to the good part. Yeah. And, and I think, like we've been saying, there's so many examples of how this plays itself out. It does play itself out in the workplace when people just stop showing up from work yep. or, or never respond to the boss's email or whatever that is. It plays out in romantic relationships as well. It plays out in friendships. And, and it doesn't, the point that I want to make sure is really clear is that it doesn't just hurt one party. Yeah. Both parties are injured when somebody goes somebody else. What it does communicate is that there's often a bigger issue with the person that is doing the ghosting than the person that has been ghosted. Even though when you've been ghosted by somebody, it's a horrible feeling. You are left with with guilt and shame and you feel dehumanized questions so many questions and doubt and and you often go to the worst possible example that you think may have happened that would have led to you being ghosted yeah right and and it's often not that but our human nature our own wiring says that it must be the worst possible thing and so when you have when you're ghosting somebody you're putting them in that place, which then takes a long time to get out of that pain and grief and to get healed from. But as well as that, the, the toxic environment that you're creating when you ghost a person or people over time is that it is essentially manipulation of a relationship. It is an unfair power dynamic that you are exerting on different people. It's not a healthy way to interact with people and Mm -hmm. you don't get to keep doing that time after time after time and and think that there are no consequences for other people and for you as well and what we're doing into our society as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. I think we should say as well that there's a difference between um, forgetting to respond to somebody, right? And like dropping a conversation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's important to me that we make this distinction. But there is a difference between that because we we also live in a society that is so overstimulated. Right. That you hear people all the time going, I I don't even know. I don't even know if I was having that conversation with that person in an email or in a text message or on my instant messenger. And I'm trying to remember how to follow up. And 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 that happens frequently as well. Right. Where you'll get a text message from somebody two weeks later. I just opened this up and I realized that I never responded to. I responded to in my brain, but I never. That's very different. We should still aim to be good at communicating with people and to follow up with people. 
but that's very different than this intentional I'm backing out of this relationship type thing and I'm avoiding this person now. Yeah, because I think that's the intentional decision, right? Exactly. That's the point that you're yeah, making. Yeah. It's not an unintentional forgetting. It's yep. an intentional avoidance. Backing out, yeah. Yeah, and so what we're talking about is essentially really poor conflict resolution. On an earlier bonus cast, we talked about conflict resu- resolution. I think yeah. we even had two sessions talking about it because it's so important and I think it's done so poorly. We don't mm. get taught about it in school. Often our parents don't teach us how to do it well. Or, or we just see it done poorly. We yeah. see people that argue with people. We see relationships that are done poorly. We see people get hurt when they have hard conversations because the conversation isn't about the thing. It becomes attacking towards the other person. Yeah, and so totally. we see poor examples of conflict resolution. And so we just don't. Yeah. We avoid the conflict because we don't think there can be resolution. Yeah. And so I think that's so important to look at what does the Bible say when it comes to conflict resolution? What does the Bible right. say about this idea of ghosting people? Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's a, an important point to get to in terms of the context of this podcast is not just why is it not necessarily culturally good, but as people who are following Jesus, why is it important that this isn't part of what we practice? And there's, um, you know, a portion of scripture in Matthew 18 where Jesus gives us this, uh, you know, idea of how we should be engaging when we have conflict with other people. It's something we refer to often for our personal lives. We talk to our staff about it all the time. Why don't you lay out for everybody kind of what's often referred to as the Matthew 18 principle? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's found in a lot of employee handbooks in some yeah, form yeah. or another. Um so, you know, what we see is when someone has offended another party or been offended by another party, the idea is not to go to someone else and to vent or complain or spread gossip about that person right. and that conversation, but go back to that person and let them know, hey, what you did was not appropriate. What you did hurt my feelings. What you did, yeah. um, you know, is not acceptable. And to have that initial hard conversation. Yeah. And then if that person doesn't hear it or is unwilling to change from it, then we're encouraged to bring in a third party and that third party could be an independent person it could be an objective person it should be potentially a supervisor that gets brought into that conversation but the supervisor doesn't need to get brought in before there's been an opportunity for conflict resolution to happen from person one to person two and we so often avoid that and we just go straight to a third person we see our little kids do it right (laughs) on a daily basis one of them will hit the other person and then the one that just got hit will come to us and say this one this person just hit me and what we tell them is, go and tell them that is not appropriate. Right. They, what they don't need is for mom or dad to come in and tell them that's not appropriate. They need to start using their own voice and advocating for themselves directly to the person that has hurt them. And so yeah. we're encouraging that with our children. If you're a parent with little kids, you got to encourage your own kids to be doing yeah. that as well. And so we do that in the workplace. Speak to the person directly. If they're not willing to hear it, bring in a third party. And then that's when we go into a larger conversation, whether whether it potentially gets brought to the organization as a whole or to the church family or whatever yeah. um, group that might be. Yeah, and we do it. I mean, we do it with our staff all the time and, and even in, you know, friendship relationships and things like that. Well, uh, a question we ask all the time is, oh, that's so interesting. What did that person say when you went and talked to them about it? You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, which they often have no response for. Yeah, yeah. And then often that, yeah, the person will just look at you and go, oh, well, I haven't, I haven't talked to them about it. Oh, okay, great. Well, that's step one. Go back, do that. And then we can work from work from uh, that kind of a framework. Absolutely. What, so what's the scripture that comes to mind for you when you start thinking about conflict resolution and ghosting people? Yeah, as we were talking about coming, um, you know, and having this conversation, I started thinking about Ephesians 4. And in Ephesians 4 and 3, there's that line, you know, where it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through a bond of peace. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that, you know, that thought of every effort um, to to keep that bond is is really in the front of my mind often of like, have we really made every effort? Not um, not like, oh, well, I kind of tried. Mm-hmm. And and then they didn't really respond how I wanted them to, so that's why I haven't messaged anybody. But, but like, have you made every effort? Have you really right. gone after Followed this up, idea? Being yeah. resilient, don't let them avoid you. Yeah, yeah. I think about that, and then I always love the phrase um, that we see in Second um, uh, Corinthians five that we're ministers of reconciliation. Yeah, right. That that's part of what Christ has called us to is to be people who minister bringing relationships back into a good space. And I think this idea of ghosting is so the antithesis of that, right? It's not what we're called to as people of faith, to be people who are continually breaking relationship Mm -hmm. and breaking relationship without honest conversation, without good follow through, without being people of our word. I think it's, it's absolutely the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be the people leaning into the conversation, going into the conversation, bringing others around the table. Um, and so I think those two things really came to my mind first. Um, I thought you would talk about yeah, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Because to me, it, it resounds of that as well. And I know that's a scripture that you refer to and think about often. Um, and, and I think is, is kind of core to who you are in terms of just like your integrity as a person and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I also think about the scripture. It's the golden rule that, you know, is seen yeah. in a lot of right? different places. But in, in Luke 6, um, where Jesus talks about treating other people how you want to be treated. I think it's just a great principle for life as well. And so if you would prefer to not be ghosted by people, then don't ghost people, right? If you would rather someone just have a quick conversation with you and say, right. hey, it's been a great few dates that we've had together, but I don't think that we're a good fit. So yeah. like, I'm just going to call it now. If you would rather that be the case yeah. rather than someone just ignoring you and ghosting you, yeah, then, yeah. then have that decency to do that to the other person. Or, yeah. you know, if you would rather someone quit to your face and then provide written documentation rather than just sending an email on Monday morning saying, I'm not coming in today. Um, and or I'm not done. even that. Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, that's, um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So treating other people how you want to be treated, I think, is core and fundamental to that. And and I, I think scripture as well talks a lot about how healing is available to people, like yeah. you were saying about reconciliation of the relationship, but that also people can be healed. If you've been ghosted once or 10 times, it yeah. can be incredibly painful. It yeah. is incredibly painful. Yeah. When you care about people, which you know you and I are in the business yeah. and the industry of caring for people, it can be painful yeah, yeah. when people just stop yeah. talking. And so I, I, I think that it it's so key to go to scripture and, and to go to the words of God where he talks about how he will bring peace to people, how healing right. is available to you, about how you can choose joy in the middle of difficult circumstances, yeah. that you are not what has been done to you. All of right. those kind of things are so key and crucial to remember in times yeah, of yeah. ghosting. Two-part question. Yeah. One, have you ever been ghosted? Two, have you ever ghosted someone else? Good questions. One, yes, I think that I think everybody has who, mm-hmm. who works with people. Um, so yes, I have been ghosted, and it's not fun. And, and it, for me, you know, I have a lot of texting relationships or yeah. texting communication with people. Ghosting 
begins to be really visible. Yeah. When you true. start seeing, you know, I've got one conversation, my conversation on one side, and then their conversation is meant to be on the other side. Yeah. And I'm following up with someone, hey man, just checking in, see how you're doing. I haven't seen you in a minute. Hey, just following up again. Just want to make sure you and your family's doing well, whatever. And it becomes five or six conversations. At that point, I'm just going to say like, I yeah, love yeah, you. Yeah. You obviously are not wanting to reciprocate this yeah, relationship. Yeah, because it's like this visual reminder, right? Right. Um, now I can just see ghosting which is typically something that is not seen but now in some ways it can be seen as well have i ghosted someone i don't think so because it's so irritating to me when it happens so you know that that principle of treating other people the way that you want to be treated i may have when i was a 16 year old and i didn't want to break up with somebody the way that i should have yeah yeah um, but certainly not in my adulthood yeah Mm -hmm. yeah how about you are you a ghoster I, I don't, I don't think that I have ever ghosted anyone. I I mean, like we were talking about, I certainly haven't done it intentionally. Right. Um, I have been known to reply in my mind and not in the actual message. That's that unintentional. Yeah. So that's unintentional. So I'm just thinking there is potentially someone listening to this podcast right now who thinks (laughs) I have ghosted them. (laughs) And I promise you, I don't think that I've done it intentionally. I just don't know. So you should just send me a text back right now. (laughs) Right. Just bringing this back up in your unreads. I'm sorry about it. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have been ghosted. Sure. Yeah. A few times. And I think, I think everyone, everyone is experiencing it right now to different degrees and in different spaces. Um, And I definitely can think of, yeah, some relationships that just disappeared and then didn't, didn't respond to follow up and things like that for sure. Yeah. And I I think that people in leadership positions probably experience it more because often it's often leaders who are initiating things. It's often leaders who are um, getting groups together or putting events on or rallying people or whatever that is um, that are, that are leaders, right? Yeah, I, I was thinking that too. That's actually, I started to say that when I was just talking, but I want to be careful about that because I know that that's your and my context. So we feel it there and we hear it there a lot as well. I think another big space where it's happening, which I, you know, I don't have a tally on who's suffering more at the moment, mm-hmm. but is um, in single meaning unmarried people who are in dating seasons. I hear about it from that group as well a lot. And I think we just don't, we're, we don't feel that because we're no, not in that space. No, this is my experience. Yeah, of yeah. That's fair. And, um, and I think it must be uniquely painful in that as well. When you're looking for someone to be a companion or are potentially, you know, I remember that excitement of a potential new romantic relationship and then for that to not end with clarity and with closure, but to just kind of disappear, I think that must be a particularly painful season that, that you and I aren't, aren't experiencing and wasn't really part of the conversation when we were dating, you know, over 11 years ago or so now. Yeah, because it removes your ability to grieve properly, I yeah. think. And yeah. so in the same kind of way that if you, you know, if a loved one doesn't necessarily die, they disappear you don't have the knowledge of their passing one way or the other. You don't have the the ability to grieve fully because you're kind of left on with hope. Yeah. Maybe and, and maybe if someone's ghosted you, you think, oh, maybe they just got a new number. Maybe yeah. they haven't actually avoided me. Maybe maybe their phone just died and they haven't plugged it back in or whatever. And so you don't have that complete 
ending of something that allows you to grieve and step fully right. into the new season. And so I think that that's why it's so important to make sure that we move from one thing into the next thing. So practical takeaways, what yeah, I would yeah. say is if you are a ghoster, stop being a ghoster, <laughs> yeah, just right? Just don't do it. Just don't do it to people because <laughs> it's not nice. It's not nice to people and it's not good for you. It's not yeah. It's not doing, it's not building the type of society and culture that we want. And it's also not doing something good on the inside of you. Yeah. So check yourself on and and obviously people wouldn't say necessarily oh yeah this is what i do i'm you know i'm in the practice of being someone who ghosts people maybe you're not aware of how you do it yeah. take a, a quick inventory of yourself and think okay of the last few relationships or um, opportunities that i've been in how have they ended and yeah. when i approach a difficult conversation what do i do about it yeah and and i think be really honest in that i know i've had some conversations with people who are like well well, I missed, I was late to work this day and they told me that I couldn't be late anymore. So I just stopped go going back or mm -hmm, I just stopped showing mm -hmm. up. That's what that is. Right. You didn't call them that day and, and have that hard conversation. So just be honest with yourself. Don't give yourself out. I would also say, like you said earlier, right? Think about treating people how you want to be treated. That should be the forefront of kind of all of our interactions with other people is what, if I was in this other situation, would I appreciate the way that I'm communicating or not communicating right now and have the hard conversations, which I think is um, a space that I've really had to grow in because I didn't always have, I think a, a lot of grit in like having hard conversations with people. So some ways that I think about having hard conversations is being honest and, and authentic with people. Sure. And Good. I think that's the part that we avoid. We just kind of like step out and avoid the conversation and when we do that, we obviously are, are cheating ourselves, but we're also removing from the other person the opportunity to grow from this situation or to improve from the situation. If you're in a friendship and you're going, hey, I'm going to have to step back from this friendship right now because every time we get together, you spend 95% of the time complaining about your workplace and that's not healthy conversation for me and I don't want it in my life anymore. So that's why I'm stepping back from this conversation. Okay, that's valuable feedback to that person. And you don't have to stay in that relationship with them. But having that honest conversation with them, I think, is so vital and is so important. And you can apply that in all kinds of uh, spaces. I think this idea of kind of reframing ourselves that just because something is uncomfortable does not mean that it is unhealthy. Mm -hmm. I think we have built kind of this uh, uh, collective idea that, oh, I'm uncomfortable, therefore this must not be good for me. And the truth is there's a lot of really uncomfortable things that we need to do that are really healthy for us. Um, but somehow, I don't know, that that muscle has uh, has atrophied a little bit in like our, our cultural collective. Um, and then the last thing that's been really helpful for me in this context is to kind of build up a mental bank of times that I've had hard conversations and it's gone well. Because I had a pretty kind of negative entry on the idea of having hard conversations. I'd seen some go really, really poorly um, and not end necessarily in a good way. And, and I think I had a level, I probably have a level of uh, like codependency feelings of like, you know, oh my gosh, I made that person upset and now I'm going to be a wreck for the next week. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had to rebuild some scenarios in my, in my mind where every time I've had a difficult conversation with somebody and they've responded in a really healthy way and gone, wow, that was really honest. I really appreciate you having that conversation with me. You're right about that. Hey, let's move forward. 
I've kind of created a mental tally. To be honest, it's probably great to just start an actual like note that you can refer mm, to every so often. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I go back to that. When I know I have a new hard conversation coming up, I go, okay, this may end poorly or it may end well. Here's all the examples of times I've had hard conversations and it's ended well for me. And, and that's a space that I'm trying to build and strengthen and grow in my life because the voice of this is going to be an absolute firestorm in my mind is really strong. Yeah. Love it. I think this has been such a helpful conversation for me personally. I hope that you have enjoyed hearing the conversation as well uh, with my wife. And uh, I've just loved, I love that you don't ghost me. I just, I love Please don't. I could not take it if you ghosted me. (laughs) Too much. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this conversation. And uh, we have these bonus casts every single month. And we talk about different topics that lead to a resilient life. And so if there's any topic that you'd like for us to be having a conversation about, let us know. Make sure that you share and subscribe these conversations. Let someone know about it so that we can continue doing good work here. Until next time, keep treating other people the way that you want to be treated. Don't be ghosting nobody. Bye for now.